Hi, welcome to the Fast Life with Diabetes podcast. My name is Lucy Fisher. On this podcast, we'll discuss everything related to intermittent fasting and type 1 and type 2 diabetes. We'll share tips and tricks, and we'll reveal some of the challenges that we've all faced as we go through this journey. We'll also have some fascinating guests that will share their stories. Thanks so much for joining. It's going to be a great show. Also, before we get started, I just want to remind you that I am not a doctor. Before beginning an intermittent fasting protocol or making changes to your medication, I highly recommend that you speak to your doctor. Hi everyone, thanks for joining today. Today we have on Candy Grangrith. Candy's 48 years old and she was diagnosed less than a year ago with LADA, latent autoimmune diabetes in adults which is basically type 1 diabetes diagnosed in adulthood. So she's relatively new to her type 1 diagnosis and she's still getting the lay of the land. She has gone from doing injections, now she uses a pump. She actually got to fasting before she got her diagnosis. So she has history doing fasting both pre and post diabetes. She's lost in total 125 pounds on her on her journey and part of that was done with Weight Watchers, part of that was done with intermittent fasting. Nowadays she uses intermittent fasting to help control her blood sugars and she's a very helpful guest for those people that maybe are newly diagnosed. She gives you a unique perspective and I think you're going to find her episode very interesting so I hope you enjoy it. Hi Candy, thanks so much for joining today. Hi, nice to be here. Before we get going, do you want to just give me a little bit of an introduction so that people can get to know you? Sure. My name is Candy Bangruth. I'm 48 years old, 23 years RN, usually acute and critical care. I'm a single mother, and I just recently, last May of 21, married my Prince Charming. So that's a good thing. My boys are both adults. I have horses. I have dogs. I live on a farm. Oh, Fantastic. Congratulations on, on getting married. Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I was really interested in your story because you were just diagnosed with diabetes. Is that right? Yes. And I think it was July of 21. Yeah, so you're pretty recent. And uh, maybe can you take us through exactly what happened? Because I know it's tough when you get diagnosed a little bit later in life. Oh, yes. So I was going through, you know, we went to Vegas when we got married. And then when we got back, I was starting to be, I was tired all the time. And I thought, well, what's going on? You know, maybe it's because it was a long trip and, you know, we were busy and I was just trying to catch up. And I finally, you know, as a nurse, I'm like, oh, I'm just tired. I don't need to go to the doctor. Hadn't been to the doctor probably for five or six years. And so then I went and had my doctor's appointment and I had a whole list of labs. I was like, I want you to check all these things. Cause I was thinking, what, what could it be? You know, thyroid, anemia, low um, potassium, whatever. So, and then on the chemistry, of course, you get your blood sugar. And I went home and then looked on my chart and saw all my labs. And I was like, Oh my God, my blood sugar is 443. That must just be a fluke, right? That doesn't, um, mean that I'm diabetic. It was just high for some reason, who knows, stress, whatever. 
And then a couple of weeks later, you know, I might charted my doctor and I said, Hey, do you want, I need to come back in so I can go over my labs. <clears throat> and I wasn't able to get in for a couple months. And I was like, this is crazy. So about two weeks later, I was like, I could barely do anything. 20 minutes of activity and I had to take a break. So I decided well, I'm just going to call the clinic and say, hey, I need an appointment and I'll see whoever's available. Because at this point, it was like, you either need to go to the clinic or I need to go to the hospital because I was feeling so sick. So I got in to see a new doctor. Mine was retiring anyways. And she did an A1C because of my high blood sugar. And it was 12.9. And she's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're diabetic. And I was like, what? That can't be possible because I'm 48. You don't get diabetes and need insulin when you're 48 years old. In all my history of working in the medical field, I never even saw a patient like that. Did you- uh, So she wanted to start- oh. Oh, Sorry, I was gonna say, did you, during that time when you saw that 453 or 458 blood sugar into the time you went in again, did you ever like do a finger stick to see if it was still high or did you just say, I'm gonna wait until I go back? I did do one because my sister-in-law is diabetic. And so when I went to see her, she had a machine and I, so I was like, I'm just going to check my blood sugar. And sure enough, it was 318. And I thought, huh, so maybe I'm not crazy, but this could still be just something else going on. And yeah, so I did check it one time in between my original lab. And then when I went to see my new uh, primary. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your story. I was just curious about if you had any other, you know, if you had checked your blood sugar oh, no. between. Sorry, keep going. That's all right. Yeah, so then she wanted to start me on metformin. And I said, oh, no, let me think about it. I'll, I'll give you a call later. I slept on it and I thought, no, this is not metformin. We're not doing that. Plus, I did a lot of reading and I knew how it rips up your guts for a lot of people, not everyone. And I called her back and I said, she goes, well, I'll just start you on insulin and you can come in and see a diabetic education. And <clears throat> I was pushing to get the C-peptide test done, which checks to see if your pancreas is making insulin. And they're like, no, you can't get that when your blood sugar is so high, which I, as an RN, I was thinking, why not? Why does it make a difference? You know, and reading on it and then diabetic education was like, yeah, no problem. We can do that if your blood sugar is less than 180. So we did. And then that was 0.4, which is like way on the low end of not, it's, so my pancreas basically wasn't working anymore. Yeah. Because if you have a so C-peptide of, uh, if it's higher, that means you probably have type two. If it's lower, it means you probably have type one, right? Right. Yeah. From what I understand. Yes. So they put yeah, you on so back, yeah. So yeah, back to that the diabetic education had started me on the long acting. I think it was she started me on 30 units a day because of the high blood sugars and to bring them down and no sliding scale or carb ratio at that time, just to see where it would be in a little bit. And I was like, okay, well, we'll I'll just follow your plans, you know. <laughs> and it brought it down and then I was having spikes all the time. So then they, I started the carb ratio or correction ratio when I needed it. So it was a struggle just because it was always high in the beginning for the first few months. 
Well, they just had you on a long acting. They didn't even have you on a short acting. No, not until, not for a few weeks after. Yeah, so no wonder you were high all the time. Yeah. So, so they put you on a short acting a few weeks later, and then you got an insulin to carb and an insulin sensitivity ratio. And then did you, were you able to manage it a little bit better or did, I mean, I, I'm just trying to understand like the education process when you get it later in life, like, did you have to educate yourself or did you have a good endocrinologist that helped you or, or how did it work? Well, so I actually, I knew the dietitian who was the diabetic educator. And so when I went and saw her, you know, there's a little bias when you're a nurse and being, being a nurse for so long that you know more than the average person and not when you get diagnosed diabetes I was like I can't do this you know and I did tell all my patients whenever I was taking care of patients with diabetes that I would be a terrible diabetic I said I don't know how you do it because it's got to be a struggle every minute of every day when you're thinking about what you're putting in your body why do you need this insulin why do I have to check my blood sugar so often so <clears throat> It was mostly kind of a self-study type of a thing. So you went on... I mean, on... my diabetic educators, they are great. They help out with any questions, anytime. I had to wait about, let's see, four or five months before I could get in to see an endocrinologist, which is an hour away. Oh, gosh. This is a tough story. This, so you had... <laughs> So you, you were officially diagnosed with LADA, which is latent autoimmune diabetes in adults. Is that right? I think diabetes one type 1. 1.5, right. I think mm -hmm. it is. And I think a lot of one point, a lot, a lot of patients right. go through treated like a type one. <laughs> yeah. Treated like a type one. And I think you're pretty typical in that they were trying to put you on metformin first because they, everybody gets confused by your age and they don't understand that you could be a type one at, you know, a mm -hmm. later age. I was telling you, you know, I have a friend that was diagnosed with type one in her sixties and she went through the same thing where they thought she had type two and they were trying to treat her that way. And she was actually, she went, she actually had a really long honeymoon period. So I think they were extra confused by her because, you know, she had changed, she basically <laughs> cut out carbs entirely. I mean, literally no carbs in her diet whatsoever. She was exercising constantly. So she was able to just by pure force in the honeymoon period, able to keep her blood sugars under control. So they thought, oh, she's type two. And then at a certain point, she just, no matter how much work she put into it, just it, it, like, nothing was working anymore. So did you get a honeymoon mm -hmm. period at all? Or were you pretty much out of the gate on insulin? Uh, pretty much out of the gate uh, on insulin. And I'm not really sure about the honeymoon period. If it was, it might've been, you know, that I would have normals in the morning when I woke up and then as the day progressed even though I was fasting my blood sugars were still wacky yeah so you were on Traceba and then a short acting and then you moved to a pump is that right I did move to a pump about a month ago okay what which pump are you on I'm on T-Slim okay and so With you're on the, the uh, yeah the control IQ Yes. Okay. And what insulin are you using in that pump? Novolog. Novolog. Okay. Okay. So that's basically how you manage your diabetes now. Yes. And have Which you found, like, yeah. Life saving. I mean, it makes it so that you don't have to think about your diabetes all day long. 
Yeah, absolutely. So you found that when you switch from injections to the pump, you had a, you had a, you have much better blood sugars as a result. Yes. Yep. I think Did initially when I, I was on the long act in on the multiple injections, initially my A1C had come down after three months into the seven range. But that, that just goes by an average because I would still have 300s and I would still have uh, really low, like a 40. So they were, they were getting a really good average in there, but I was feeling better. So, yeah, my, my same friend, the one in her sixties that was diagnosed with type one, she, she had a really good A1C of five something. And she said, this five point, whatever A1C brought to you courtesy of low blood sugars, because you know, it's just an average. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, it's not really that helpful. It's better if you can see your right. number and see the standard deviation and know exactly what's going on there. So <laughs> So are you, exactly. <laughs> do you feel like your settings are pretty dialed in now or you still have stuff you're working on? I, it still needs to be tweaked. I think I go back to see the end of, the end of May and he had switched one of my settings on. So I had, so I have two profiles on there and because I told him, I said, okay, now I really love this pump, but I'm chasing my blood sugars in the morning. I said, and I don't want to eat to the pump because I don't want to gain weight because then I'm giving myself insulin and then I'm storing this that I don't need because my body does know how to manage without food. So what, what do you, what what do you mean saying. you're, so what's going on in the morning? Do you have the dawn phenomenon or do you get low in the morning? I'm guessing it would be like the dawn phenomenon where I have to wake up in the middle of the night because my blood sugar would, my alarm would be going off and see you're trending down, you're trending down. And I'm like, well, I shouldn't be. I'm obviously I was getting too much insulin on just one basal for 24 hour period. Right. Yeah. I noticed overnight my so basal rates are much lower. That. Yeah. Yeah. You may just have to fiddle with that mm -hmm. a little bit more because especially if you're, and well, I want to talk about fasting too, but when you're fasting and, and this is something you'll learn as you're diabetic for longer, it's, it took me a really, there's about a hundred million things you learn along the way and you're still really new to this process. So yeah. it's it's, it's fun. It, you will learn, you will learn. But one of the things you'll learn is that as you start losing weight, your insulin needs will go down. Like it's never just like, Oh, I know what my basal rate is and never have to look at that again. It, it can change constantly. So you always have to be tweaking it. So sure. as you're losing weight, or if you want to increase, it may even change day to day. If you're fasting more, you may need to dial your basal back. It's just never a constant. Mm -hmm. Like it's unfortunately the type one, it, there's never a, a time when you can just let things go and just assume that your settings are right. They're always a work in progress. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm sorry to tell you, you've already figured it out, I'm sure, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, learning every day as the saying goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So maybe you can tell me a little bit about intermittent fasting because you found fasting before you found out that you had diabetes. Is that right? Yes, I found fasting back in November of 2020. A friend of mine, a coworker, had started doing her own um, like coaching help page on fasting because she had done it. And, you know, doing the up and down with weight gain and weight loss over all the years, struggling with, you know, this diet works for a while and then it doesn't. And then I was on Weight Watchers and not that I'm pushing it, for anybody. It's definitely a learning process there too. I had lost 
80 pounds on Weight Watchers. And then I hit a plateau. And then my girlfriend, you know, I saw her fasting video. And I was like, you know what, I think I'm gonna try that because it's, you know, after the while she said, watch Dr. Fung on YouTube and read this book by Jason Stevens. So I did and I was like, yes, this sounds absolutely normal. Like I can do this. And at the time, of course, I was drinking a lot of diet pop and I begged her and begged her and begged her because she's like, no, you have to clean fast when you start. It's the best thing for your body, even though you can dirty fast and, and drink flavored liquids. But I wanted to do it, I guess, considered the right way. So <clears throat> I was, I quit the pop and I drank water, 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 water until it was coming out my ears. And she's, so that's how I found it. And then realized that, my gosh, I'm not inflamed anymore. I'm not puffy anymore. I don't have the, all this pain, chronic pain, not that it was keeping me from doing anything, but just normal, you know, sore back, sore shoulders, you know, working in the nursing field, stuff that you just put aside, but that was gone. And I was like, this fasting really works. And then the eating part, which I already had that under control as far as portion control and trying to stay lower carb, not that I don't eat carbs, but so in the whole grand scheme of things, when I started the fasting, I had lost another 45 pounds before I was diagnosed with the diabetes. So you lost 125 pounds in total from Weight Watchers and intermittent fasting together. Is that right? Yes. Wow, that's incredible. That's a lot of weight. And you know what I wonder? I know, it's a whole other person. Yeah. I actually wonder if the fasting actually caused you to not realize you have had diabetes for a while, for a long time, because, you know, when you're fasting, your, your blood sugars are naturally like staying a little bit lower and you're drinking a lot of water. So you're probably like, oh, this is normal to drink a lot of water because I'm fasting, you know? I wonder, I wonder if that prolonged you figuring yeah. out what, what was going on, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. You know, and then when you're fasting and you're having, you know, when you first start out, you know, you're having the headaches and like the, the keto flu kind of effect because of all the water intake and you're flushing your system of toxins or all the other things that are going on. And you're thinking, well, of course, I'm, I'm thirsty. And then um, using the Himalayan salt to stop the headaches and try to help with the thirst. And it's like, oh, geez, now I'm going through gallons of water and in the bathroom constantly. Yeah, yeah, totally. So what, uh, how did your fasting protocol start and wh where is it now? Well, way in the beginning, once you do it for such a long time, you forget how hard it was to start. So <clears throat> trying to go from just starting out with a 12 hour fast. And, and that was essentially pretty easy because, you know, if you sleep seven or eight hours, you really only had to ha have to add on you know, four or five hours to your morning and then open your window for however long. But I eventually got up to an 18 hour fast and some, and I've done in the year and a half, I've probably done only like extended fast, which is 24 hours for me. I can't go longer than that. Just because I don't feel good maybe. 
but and those are usually by accident because I end up being so busy by the time I get home it's already 8 p.m and I was like huh I haven't eaten anything since last night at 8 p.m do you get lows in between or are you usually pretty decent for those hours oh they're wonderful when I'm not eating I mean it's just the the numbers don't I don't hit any lows anymore since I got the pump figured out very rare okay good 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 yeah I still I still get lows I think depending on the day I have different things going on I also have a theory that when you have had diabetes for longer it it becomes a little bit more difficult to manage and this is just my own personal theory I don't I don't have any scientific basis for this but I remember when I was first diagnosed and maybe even for like the first 10 years of my diagnosis, it felt like it was a lot easier to manage, even though it was only on injections and doing finger sticks and stuff like that. Like it felt like my blood sugar was a little bit more predictable. Now I feel like it's, it's a little bit more volatile and it's more sensitive to any little change. And I don't know, that's just me. I, but I'm hoping that whatever you're getting when you're not eating in that period of time and you're able to just, it's able to be a nice flat line. I hope it stays like that for as long as possible for you. Because I think a lot of us end up with lows. Yeah, yeah. A lot. I think a lot of type ones end up with lows uh, in their fasting period. And for me, I just you know I treat them depending on where in the fast it is. Like um, if I've just eaten something and I'm just closed my eating window and I have a bunch of insulin on board, then I'll definitely treat it. But if it's like you know way into my fast and I have like almost no insulin on board and I hit like 65, I'm like yeah, I'll just peel the pump back a little bit and I'll just let it ride, you know. And I won't usually treat Mm -hmm. it. So that's, that's the advantage of being on an algorithm. If you're on injections, you can't really, you don't really have that benefit because the insulin's already in. So <laughs> there's nothing you can really do right. about it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I agree with you on that too, is where sometimes if my pump is t- telling me, you know, it's 65, it's going down, it's going down. I'm thinking, no, the last time it did this, it came back up and leveled off on its own. That yeah. I didn't have to do anything for it. And yeah. depending on how I feel. Yeah. Yeah, not all lows require intervention, especially if they're not bad lows and especially if there's not a lot of insulin on board. I think those are like the two criteria for that. Mm-hmm. So you're fast now, you you try for a minimum of 18 hours. Is that essentially right? Most of the time, a lot of the time at 16, when I'm off, the, when I get off the track, maybe break my fast after 12 hours for a day. Then I try to make the next one you know, make up for it and do an 18. But as a general average would probably be 16, a 16, eight. And what's your typical, when do you usually cut off your eating for the day? Usually by 9.30. Okay. Do you have like, do you have different shifts at work or do you have a pretty stable schedule? No, I, I have a pretty stable schedule. So that that's when I do my best fasting is when I'm at work because I can do things, stay busy and not wait. And then I can wait until two or three o'clock in the afternoon to open my window because I'm like, well, I want to eat something. So no, I better do something. Yeah. So you kind of, your window sort of set for later in the day because you want to fast when you're at work and then you come home and then you, then you break your fast and then eat until, okay, got it. That makes perfect sense. And, uh, how, how, is that a protocol that you think you're going to stick with or is it, are you trying to make changes to it? Well, like I said, it's sometimes, you know, I'm not strict on it where it has to be 18 hours every single day. 
I'll switch switch it up. Sometimes have a twelve hour day, sixteen hour day, seventeen hour day, just depending on how I feel, what I'm doing, what the plans are. Because if I try to do it strict, I I fail. I end up breaking it way earlier, and then I fall off the fasting wagon, and I'm like, oh. and it's easy enough to start over the next day. So you know, give myself some grace and say, you know tomorrow's another day just finish what you're doing today and it'll be fine yeah that, that's I think that's the right attitude I think that's the attitude you have to have when you're when you're fasting and so you've lost 125 pounds to date in a year and a half you said generally no that was probably over three years okay total. Over th- okay and so are you at your goal weight now or are you still trying to lose weight no, yeah, I'm not at my goal only because I think a lot of it is had to do with the starting the insulin. And I don't want to scare people off and say, you know, you don't want to be on insulin because you're going to gain weight if you have if you've been trying to lose weight. But in all reality, that's what our body does. You know, whether you're type one or type two, you 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 have the insulin and it is going to store whatever you eat. So <clears throat> I have gained about 15 pounds since my diagnosis and I'll lose some gain some lose some and the way that I can probably do get back on the weight loss journey is stick to a more longer fasting protocol yeah yeah I agree with you on like it's hard to keep weight off with diabetes it's very hard fasting is definitely a good way to do it but it's I always say with losing weight in type one it's always two steps forward one step back because you end up eating a lot of the time calories that you don't want to eat because you're treating lows or, you know, it's just, you know, and sometimes if you, if you have a high blood sugar, it makes you tired. So you don't work out when you want to work out. It's just like a combination of a lot of different things that causes it to be sort of difficult to lose weight. So I, I totally get it. But you the good news is, is even if you're type one, you can lose the weight. It just may take you a little bit longer. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So have you noticed any, uh, I mean, I know we talked about this a little bit when you said you started uh, intermittent fasting, you had some non-scale victories. Are you seeing more of those as you've gotten further along into your journey? No, I think it stays pretty steady. My big thing is, you know, my pants size and not so much the scale, like you said, non-scale victories where I went and tried on a pair of jeans several months ago and was not gaining it or was losing at the time maybe it was last summer and I was down another size which I was so excited for but now I'm back up a size so (laughs) yeah well the the beauty of fasting is it's not going anywhere so you can just pick it up again I mean if you Mm -hmm. if you gain a little bit it's okay you know just get back to it and like you said do a little bit of some longer fast and get back up with the program and I feel a lot of the reasons why I may gain weight is because of changes in diet during the eating window. I don't know if you've had any yes. slips with your diet, but th- that's usually the culprit for me. Yeah, because another thing that the insulin does is makes you crave food that you didn't crave before, or it did for me. I was like, man, I really need to have a sandwich, you know, and I hadn't touched bread for such a long time, or I really want those mashed potatoes, and I hadn't eaten mashed potatoes forever. Yeah. And it, and of course, I'm going to blame the, that bad insulin there again and say that before I had to deal with that, with the fasting, it was easy to, t- to not take that at a meal, not cook that, not crave it. Right. 
if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So have your, have you, so you, you went to your doctor, your A1C was in the sevens. You're going to go back again and get it another test soon. Are your doctors supportive of your fasting protocol? Absolutely. And that's a good question because I think a lot of patients out there that struggle with both type one and type two, when you bring up intermittent fasting, even though I knew who I was going to talk to in diabetes education, I kind of had my hackles up and I was like, I'm going to tell her that I'm not eating three meals a day and having six, three snacks. I said, that's not how you take care of diabetes. That's, that's, you have way too much insulin. You'll need way too much insulin. And I actually, I probably kind of went in, you know, like a ball in a China shop and she was like, no candy, you know, education has gone a long way since, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, even 10 years ago, where that's okay. We don't push carbs on people anymore like we used to. And I was like, oh, that's a relief because I didn't want to have an argument and have them tell me that this is, you have to do what we say in order to manage this. <laughs> yeah, well, you're doing everything right. So you're a model patient for them, I'm sure. It's, you know, you luckily you discovered intermittent fasting and a, a low carb, high fat diet before you even got diagnosed. So that was a huge benefit to you when you got diagnosed. It wasn't like you had to make a lot of changes. You just had to now learn how to manage your insulin. Well, definitely because all those changes, you know, they aren't easy to switch your diet, to go into fasting, to create all those new habits is difficult. And it's, you know, you can't tell anybody, well, this is easy. Go home and stop eating this and stop eating that and only eat between three and 8 PM because it's not easy to do all those things at once. Yeah. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the only caveat with, you know, and I've noticed this, it's become more apparent to me as I've switched my diet to more, to a, a lower carb diet and I cut out sugar and, you know, when you eat more protein, you do have the protein rises. And I don't know if you've noticed that at all. Uh, and that, that one took me a really long time to figure out. It's just the, you eat a meal and then like two hours later, it's almost like, you know, you're eating the meal again. <laughs> so you got to give yourself insulin twice, essentially. I don't know if you notice that at all. Yes. And that's why I like the pump because <clears throat> then, you know, I, I, I'll give the insulin for whatever I'm eating. And then when it's rising and, I, and it's still going up, let's say it's around 140, then I can just tell the pump to cover that correction. And then it comes back down nice and gently back where it needs to be. No matter if I ate a lot of protein, a lot of veggies, if I happen to have fruit and yogurt in that time period or something where it, you know, blueberries or strawberries, which do spike me quicker, then that correction on the pump is like, whew, easy peasy. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't mind, maybe we can go back to something because you're <clears throat> in a unique position since you were just diagnosed very recently at, at 48 years old. So you're, you know, out of the, the juvenile phase when most people get type one or not most people, I think a lot, there's a lot more people getting diagnosed with type one now. But has your mental state changed? You, you've had it for less than a year now. I know in the beginning it was probably really, really tough. Do you, do you still feel it's tough or do you feel like you're getting a handle on it? Yes. Okay. So in the beginning, um, I was angry, you know, and, and a lot of tears. And, you know, I would talk to my mom about it, uh, talk to my husband about it. And that, you know, this isn't fair. I can't handle this. And I would uh, actually 
be some days where I didn't even take my insulin because I was like, no, this isn't going to work. I'm not going to be a diabetic. This is just not happening. It's going to go away. This is just a fluke. In three months, I'll go back to the doctor and they'll say, oh, that was just a blip in your medical history. And as time has gone on, it started to get easier. And now I'm not so angry about it anymore. It's more still an adjustment because I think of things that I'm doing, you know, whether activities or hobbies that I do on how it's going to affect my blood sugar. And, you know, am I prepared? Should I have a fast coming on low that I'm going to need to treat? And, you know, I'm way out working on the fence or something. You know, it's a whole different kind of a new habit to create and to be prepared for another part of your health. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally get that. And, you know, it'll always be, I've had diabetes now for almost 25 years and I don't think it ever gets like truly better. Like I still have days where I'm just like, why me? And I just, you know, feel sorry for myself. And I, I, I still have, I mean, I still do. I. I can't say I don't, it happens. It's because it, it's every, as you, as you know, now it's an every minute of every day disease that you have to have to live with. So, well, and that's reassuring to hear from you. Not that it's a good thing, but that it's just, just to know that, you know, after 25 years, you're still on that, emo- have those emotions and, and that this just isn't fair and why me? Yeah. Yeah. And especially because you, you said yourself, you're, you're a nurse and you really didn't know much about it. <laughs> you know, no, people right. don't understand it. No. And I've taken care of many diabetics, many patients that were in DK, very ill and were what we would call, uh, well, repeat patients over their lifetime of diabetes when it was managed very differently, of course, but, and their struggles and a lot of patient blaming back in the days, not so much by nurses but just not understanding the whole gamut of why do they keep getting so sick and so even when I went to see my endo I'd never seen him or met him before I didn't want to tell him that I was a nurse and I didn't because I didn't want him to think that I already knew how to take care of this because I didn't I don't I'm still learning (laughs) yeah well I bet now at work people must request you if you have if they have a diabetic patient that's there, right? Actually, no, I don't work in acute care anymore, which is another uh, relief. Uh, I do home care now and I have just one client. So it's a nice. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, I'm sure if you ever go back to that, people will be requesting you <laughs> by name. Right. To, just to work on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I, uh, you know, it, it, you'll see too, as you get further along that like there's a network of people with diabetes and we all try to support each other and it's, it's good. You know, you'll become more, you know, valuable as a friend to those other people that you know that have diabetes and vice versa. So there, there are some good things that can come out of this. Although it may be hard to see right now at the early stages of this for you. Sure. Right. And you know, I'm not one, you know, cause I didn't even want to tell anybody in my family and I'm not sure why, what those, what those um, emotions were all about. But, and I haven't really ran into any diabetics in person, you know, like, because I do look for people that have a DEX on or I kind of have a heightened awareness of it because 
you know, I want to think that I'm in a group of a whole bunch of people and I'm the only one that's thinking about this all the whole time. There's got to be other people here. Yeah, 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 absolutely there are. Yeah, and you'll, I'm sure you'll see them out in the, in the wild, as they say. But yeah, yeah. you're definitely not alone. <laughs> and I, I think in a lot of ways, diabetes is character building. It's, and it's, it really teaches you to be self-reliant because it's just, you have your own, only yourself to, to manage this thing. And, you know, and you said, you know, at the beginning you experienced burnout, you didn't want to take your insulin. The only thing I can think of that counteracts burnout is trying to have good control because the better control you have, the less burned out you'll be because you, the diabetes doesn't become the focal point of your life. That's the only thing yeah, I've learned yeah. about that over the course of having diabetes for so long. And that was the one thing that happened when I got the pump was that I wasn't thinking, what's my blood sugar and what should I give myself some insulin? What should I do? And I was worried about it a lot more and obsessed about the numbers. And, and I didn't want to stack insulin and I didn't want to chase blood sugars. And so that relieved a lot of the stress. And I know not that not everybody is has pumps available to them, but if you're able to get one prescribed or have insurance covered so that you can get one, it's definitely a game changer, even in my early stages of this. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've done it both ways. I've done injections with just, you know, finger sticks and not great insulin. And then now where I do, I'm looping. So I have the Omnipod pump and I have all these settings. And then I just got on a Frezza, which I'll do a, an episode about that, which is the inhaled insulin. Uh, so I use my uh -huh. pump in conjunction with inhaled insulin and it's just been really excellent management. Like just something I could have never dreamed of before, you know, you know, the present day. So yeah, yep. it, it can be, it can, it can get better. So maybe just pivoting back to fasting for, for a minute, if we could, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, they're maybe in your same situation where they're getting diagnosed with type one later in life or they have prediabetes or something like that. And I mean, I know you found fasting to be extremely helpful in managing your blood sugars. How would you tell somebody to get started? You had the benefit of already having started it, but let's say they're mm -hmm. thinking about starting it. What would you tell them to do? Well, I definitely would make sure that they have uh, their healthcare team wants to support them in it because they're gonna end up making a lot of changes, I believe, in their insulin needs and to start it slow. If they still have the thinking and it's been ingrained that you know you need to eat six times a day to keep your blood sugar stable, that's a huge habit that they've created over time. And so learning to just start slow and say, well, I'm just gonna skip breakfast and see what happens. Then you know, just make it a little bit longer. And if they're not a water drinker, figure out a way to be able to do it because it's, the cleanest thing it's the best for you you know you can do the black coffee or the plain teas that have more of a bitter flavor in a clean cast but if they had to start and they can't give up creamer in their coffee you know it's not breaking the rules you're just starting off a little bit different and read the book so jim stevens book delay don't deny before you even start casting my girlfriend and I've read it probably a dozen times not every chapter because once you read it and you start to um start to add those habits into your daily life then you can go back and read 
the chapters that hit you the best as far as information that you can reread to restore your commitment to fasting because she isn't uh, you know like she says also that you know we're not doctors we're not prescribing anything just trying to give you some tips on how to get healthy and manage diabetes a little bit easier and that you know it's not a race y'all y'all need to plan your own journey and give yourself grace because we're not perfect every day is a different day yeah that's really good information and i i like jen stevens as well fast feast repeat is another book of hers that i i read a lot i I have i actually i never buy any books i always either read them on you know do like a kindle or an audiobook or something like that that's like one of the only books i've actually bought like a physical copy of yeah yep yeah she's she's great do you drink uh you you drink just water basically for your fast. Does coffee or do the teas that have caffeine in them, do they spike your blood sugar? I don't drink coffee or tea, never have. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not a coffee or tea drinker either. I was just curious, some people have that effect, so. So you stick to a real clean fast. um, Yes, only because, you know, I never drank coffee and I don't have a issue with giving up cream and sugar in my coffee, but that's another thing that I, a lot of people say, oh, I can't give that up. And there's no way I can, but a girlfriend of mine, she's not diabetic, but she wanted to start losing some weight. So she started doing the fasting and she was passionate that I have to have that cream in my coffee every morning. And after a couple of weeks, she started the black coffee and she's like, you know what, that's not too bad. And I'll wait until I break my fast and have that cream in my coffee. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Just uh, get started and then you can take things out or add things back in as you see fit, depending on your own body type. So that's that's great mm-hmm. advice. Well, thank you so much for coming on and being so honest. And I really enjoyed speaking to you because you're early on in your in your diagnosis. So you have a lot to learn, And but it seems like you're doing a really great job. So I'm very impressed with you. Oh, stumbling along the way. But- <laughs> managing (laughs) just like we all did you're not the only one so but it seems like you have a pretty good handle on things all right well thank you for having me it was nice to meet you and um good luck to everybody out there on your fasting and diabetic journey thank you so much thanks so much for listening i hope you enjoyed the show if you did don't forget to rate and review the podcast and if you're interested in being a guest please email me at fastlifewithdiabetes at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.